Welcome to Streamed and Screened, a podcast distributed by Lee Enterprises about the new movies and TV shows just over the horizon that are worth your time. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades, who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal. Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal. Hello, Jared. I've been morbified. It's uh, it's morbtastic where I'm at. We are all morbidly something. <laughs> Also me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee. So it's been a week since the Oscars and the so-called slap heard around the world. And we're gonna briefly catch up with where all of that is at. Uh, we'll also sound off on the past few days of releases, including Morbius and Moon Knight, uh, as well as look ahead to the arrival uh, this coming weekend of Tokyo Vice on HBO and Ambulance in theaters. Bruce? How have your thoughts evolved, maybe, or or not? Maybe, maybe just like doubling down on on your feelings about uh, the Oscars and everything that went down over the past seven days. What's going to happen is we're going to have the somehow Will Smith family, whatever. We'll all talk about how this has been a big trauma in their lives and how somebody will need to go to rehab. Somebody is going to be writing a book or doing a. Oprah interview about this. It's all extending the brand. It's all about that. You know, he resigned. Okay, good. Move on. We're done. I think that's how it should be because this whole kind of feeding off this frenzy is doing nobody any good. Now, last night at the Grammys, Louis C.K. won a Grammy. Did you hear much about that? You didn't hear anything about that. You didn't hear people saying, wouldn't, didn't we cancel him? Isn't he canceled? Shouldn't he not be getting Grammys? Because I thought that was all part of the deal. So this whole thing about canceling people and getting rid of them, it's gone. It's just, it's whatever. I will say, the only thing I've heard about the Grammys so far is regarding Louis C.K. And it's a lot of people who are very upset about it. So the the outcry is there, but whether there is any sort of hand-wringing on the part of the the Grammys as an institution ha has yet to be seen. Uh, and it's an embarrassment, full out. The Grammy people, come on, where would you start with that bunch? If you were going to start canceling people and, you know, shaping them up because they had bad behavior, you wouldn't know where to begin. Maybe it's just they shouldn't allow them in the category or in the competition to begin with. If you think that that's a way to kind of quell this, don't let them compete. But I don't know that you can really draw any conclusions from this year's Grammys. I really don't. They had a couple of years worth of material. It's old. Bieber cried. Okay. Olivia Rodrigo has been around so long she could not qualify, I'm sure, as best new artist and under other circumstances because shoot, she's been on the high school musical, the musical, the series for what three years two years three years so she's not exactly a newbie but she got the newbie award and she seems like a nice kid so there you go bring it back to movies <laughs> yeah. well, in, in the movie area soul was a winner soul how old is that very very old one thing with the the will smith stuff that i was curious about was like some of these things popping up of like some of these movies getting pushed back. And I'm wondering if that's an indication that maybe this is going to hurt his bottom line more than some people might have expected after it first happened. 
Yeah, but it didn't hurt Mel Gibson. Yeah. He's still around. And I think you can produce your own films. And, you know, do you need the Oscar imprint? No. No. People will clamor to see what his next film is, to see if he's still got a couple in the can, I think, that haven't been released. So I don't think it's going to hurt him in the least. Well, he's already had a couple of movies fall apart uh, in the wake of the past week, things that were in varying degrees of pre-production. I know Netflix backburnered or, you know, put in turnaround or whatever industry phraseology they're applying to it, Uh, a movie that he was set to be working on. But it's unclear if the reasoning for any of these movies changing status is, is related to any of the Oscars stuff. They had a director back out for some reason. So, you know, it was just, it stalled because they got to find another director. Yeah. It, it will be interesting to see with the, the movie that he has in the can already for Apple, which is coming out later this year um, about the escaped slave. I mean, he was already, you know, getting, a certain amount of Oscar buzz. And so it's going to be, is he going to even get nominated for that? It seems like we will see if the tone shifts at all and, and things cool down enough, but he, it seems like this is going to follow him for a long, long time. He brought way too much chaos into something and, and also just stepped on other people's day. George C. Scott refused the Oscar for Patton and they still nominated him again after that was done. So I don't know that it would stop anybody from nominating him because they want to be viewed as no matter what, we're still the best. I love, though, how people are saying you have all these people you need to do something for before you start in on Will Smith and pull that membership of Woody Allen. Well, Woody Allen doesn't belong to the Academy. They've given him awards, but he's never joined the Academy. So that whole kind of will get these two kind of, uh, you know, mindset is like, no, 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 no. Deal with this and move on. And I mean, the, you know, the questions with Polanski and, and Woody Allen, who are the ones that are being brought into the conversation most notably, I don't, I mean, that, that wades into a whole much bigger, you know, can of worms of art versus artist. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, people write entire doctoral, you know, theses deconstructing from any number of, angle so i we're not i've always hesitated to to wade into whether they should have you know some kind of ex post facto ramifications on their career or you know having awards rescinded or but yeah not to dwell on that for too much longer but one one difference too even though like what the two of them are accused of or have done is way way worse than what will smith did they also didn't do that at the academy awards ceremony itself and that's obviously a big part of the issue too, is that like you did something at the actual awards that like took away from the awards and distracted people. And that's why you're seeing this particular reaction from the Academy Awards about what you did. It's not apples to apples, you know, no. it's a different thing. And they have pulled the membership of Roman Polanski. They have pulled it for, uh bill cosby they pulled it for harvey weinstein so those kind of predators if you will are not a a member of the academy now will resigned on his own he was not his membership wasn't pulled you know it is what it is i just say we move on yep well i mean we can certainly move on to a movie that came out this past weekend uh morbius 
And then I say, move on. <laughs> okay, kids, you tell me all about it because I did not go. I thought I could let that one go. Morbius is the latest Sony installment in, in their it's kind of nibbling at, at the edges of Marvel with the bits of intellectual property that they own from, from Marvel. Uh, Morbius is a Spider-Man villain along the same lines as Venom. And this movie stars Jared Leto as, as Dr. Michael Morbius and, and Matt Smith uh, as his uh, childhood friend who evolves into something different. Uh, it's got Al Madrigal and Tyrese Gibson as a sort of comedic relief element uh, and Jared Harris as a uh, doctor who over the course of 25 years apparently does not age whatsoever. Yeah. Not to get you off track before we like fully get into it, but that was an incredible choice to have like scenes so close together, Jared Harris, where he looks the same. They didn't even like add a touch of gray or make him look younger in the earlier scenes. It's just the same Jared Harris in very uh, close scenes. So yeah, I saw it. I've got thoughts. Jared saw it. He has thoughts. We'll jump in really quick. We, we won't spend too much time on this, but uh, yeah. What did you think, Jared? I can now clearly uh, demarcate my life as um, BM before Morbius and uh, AM uh, after Morbius. <laughs> I don't understand why this was the particular movie that got the like critical firing squad surrounding it when it comes to these superhero movies because like for me it was not appreciably worse or that much better than like any of these other ones i've seen except for batman batman is the exception like in in my opinion at this point in terms of like good quality ones it, it was not that much worse than like the venom movie let there be carnage to me i didn't like it or hate it that much more than even spider-man no way home i'm sure some people would uh take great issue with that but it it's totally fine. That's a, maybe a weak uh, endorsement, but it, it's a totally fine movie that I'm not quite sure why people are lining up to bash it so much other than maybe Jared Leto, which makes sense. Jared Leto, you can trash all day long. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't even necessarily know if I would say it's like the worst, you know, superhero movie that, that I've seen necessarily. It's just kind of nothing. Like it's, it's fine. It seemed perfectly coherent to me, albeit also bizarre. It wasn't crazy in the same way that Venom was crazy. And I don't know if whatever sequel or other you know further connection it's going to have to the Marvel Universe is going to possibly elaborate on, on some of the craziness, but it, it was fine. I also, I, I'm not sure where the why everyone is, you know, hitting this movie so hard, uh, other than the fact that it's just kind of memeable. It's just this kind of goofy pop cultural thing that we can all, we can all flex on it just a little bit and get that out of our system. Yeah. I will say one thing on the positive side of the ledger, you're mentioning the cast and Matt Smith is absolutely the, the best part of the movie. He's there's a great, like really goofy uh, scene with him. He's all right as far as like the villain in the movie goes. So Matt Smith did a good job. He's definitely the uh, the MVP for for Morbius. I agree 100. So having said that, Bruce can breathe a sigh of relief that we will never talk of Morbius again for the entire future duration of of this episode and likely, well, until the Oscars. 
There we Until go. The Oscars. <laughs> yep. Should I go see it? No. I would say you don't no. Need to. No. All right. It's not good enough to be, oh, you got to see it. And it's also not bad enough to be, oh, you got to see it. Or the ways that it's bad is are not, they don't, they don't really warrant any of that. The greatest sin in this era is to just be in this in-between. That is the perfect encapsulation of the movie. It's neither hot nor cold. Therefore, Jesus would biblically spit it out of their mouth because it's lukewarm. So that's in the Bible, right? And that's the... <laughs> I love Jared Leto, how he has this kind of, no, I'm, I'm an actor. And then when you kind of call him on the actor thing, no, I'm a musician. I'm really a musician. And now he's throwing like fashion style God in the mix. And it's like, he could be whatever. He's the face of Gucci right now. So, yeah. He is like doing it all. And he's also on the cover of Men's Health Fitness Magazine, showing you how you too can look like Jared Leto. So... Hey, there's that. So, Bruce, to cleanse the palate. Well, I don't know if we're going to do that. What have you got? I did see the bubble. Let's give a little like intro on the bubble. I'm not sure if that's as, as well known to everyone. It's a Netflix movie directed by Judd Apatow. Featuring his whole family somehow. It's like one of those, those nepotism projects that they all get going. But it's like they're making a movie during the pandemic and they've got to deal with all of the things that happen and what you have to do and how people are actually not paying attention. And I was bored by it. I really was. I did. It wanted to be don't look up and it was just don't look. <laughs> oh, man. Did you agree or not? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. The vibe that I've gotten from both, you know, letterboxed and kind of casual Twitter perusal is, I think, maybe even more savagely against it than than you uh, said, Bruce. It's uh, it wasn't enough to hold my interest. I did watch Apollo Ten and a Half, which is about um, the space time, and I thought that was very clever. It's done like he did. What are those things that Richard Linklater did, where he kind of did the sketching around the faces and stuff yeah it's uh it's directed by richard linkletter and it's one of his rotoscope movies uh like waking life and scanner darkly and did he do another one or is that the is this like the third of that those are the two that i can think of yeah, yeah. Where, he, where he films it digitally and then hands it over to a bunch of computer artists who add color and movement and you know kind of flatten everything out in a really it's interesting app way. on his phone he just puts it through the app and it kind of comes <laughs> out like that that's a secret i mean it was fascinating because i did like to see all the he really had a, a sense of the 60s he really did capture that i think it took too long to get off the launching pad if you know what i mean you kept going okay well now when are we getting to this and it just it wasn't getting there right yeah it opens with a sequence that, you know, leads up to a, uh, you know, elementary school kid basically being drafted into NASA and turned in, into an astronaut. And then it's, it stops, like it slams on the brakes. And then it spends an hour or so just talking about what it was like to be alive back then. And, um, you know, the sort of, you know, free range childhood, uh, you know, it's like every single kid in the neighborhood at some point had on a cast and, you know, the everything Grandma would always take us to see sound of music. And that thing was running for two years. I mean, yep. it's like, and it's cute. And you go, Oh, I can relate to that. 
but that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. It's um, and then finally they they get back into the the elements that they had you know set up to begin with. I thought it was great. I think it was exactly you know what it wanted to be, and I, I really like the tone. But it does it definitely tries to do two things simultaneously, and one you know be this fantastical. You know, I remember being a kid and you know playing back of the closet door basketball you know, by myself and, you know, thinking like, oh, what if there's like an NBA scout, you know, watching me and like, he's going to draft me up to the NBA or, and this is certainly like that, but it also, you know, it has this other narrative layer to it that is much more, you know, it, it felt like the Sandlot in a lot of ways. So that's what I needed to hear right there. It felt like the Sandlot. I'm, I'm man, I was going to watch that anyway, because I am a big Richard Linklater fan, but if it's got Sandlot vibes, I'm I'm good to go. It's got a lot of Sandlot vibes, and uh, so I think you'll you will dig it. It is kind of weird to me that, and I mean this has happened before, but like we're we're talking about movies from uh, Richard Linklater and Judd Apatow, and I saw next to nothing about either one of these before they came out, which is bizarre that that's like just the era that we're in now, where like these guys that are hugely talented. Um, directors with with great films in their past. Um, Apatow's mostly in the past at this point. Linklater is still making good work into the present, but they, they just come out and they just kind of come and go and it's, it's on to the next thing. Like I, it's hard for me to ever get over that that's just sort of the, the cycle we're in at this point. Yep. Yeah, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. And it's also, I mean, for things that, that are on streaming services, there's no, there's no physical release that's going to come out where you could you know pass things around the way that you used to for it to develop a a secondary life and it'll be you know five or ten years until some of these things end up you know popping up in netflix in the same way that uh, you know we've talked about like when black hat you know came on netflix and all of a sudden it's in the top 10 even though it's a mediocre movie that came out you know 15 years ago or whatever um and this is, you know, we're just kind of waiting for these things to maybe find another, another uh, path towards yep. being discovered. What plays in my world, at least, is that before these things come out, you can't even find a cast list for these films, and they won't have a picture that you could use if you wrote about it. So it's even on that level, they're not, they're not even that aware of it. It used to be you had a huge press kit, and there'd be a lot of stuff that would be sent out in advance to get your, you kind of hyped up about it so you'd be interested. And they just drop these things on a Friday or a Tuesday or whatever, and there you are, Yep. you know? And then it just kind of hopes it's going to coda out and you'll end up with an Oscar winner. Those were two I, I saw that were on the, the list of things from this last week, but I've looked ahead. Are you ready to look ahead or is that not? Let's go for it. I think the, the only thing that came out last week that we haven't touched on that I'm intrigued by is uh, Moon Knight, the new Marvel show on Disney, which has been highly anticipated in the first episodes out. Uh, and it the first episode is good, but I'm I'm kind of holding off on really passing any judgment or uh, until the, the second episode, because the, the first episode just lays, it just kind of dumps a whole bunch of breadcrumbs on the ground. And then eventually it'll connect the dots. 
and it seems like it's it's got a little ways to go till those dots get connected. So that's we we can certainly move along to things that are upcoming as opposed to things that are very recently having been released. What did you uh, look ahead to, Bruce? Well, one I've seen um, an episode of is the First Lady. Very fascinating, very fascinating take on that role. And what they've done is they've taken three first ladies, put them together into one, and they kind of cut back and forth and show how these were three reluctant first ladies. And they picked Michelle Obama, Betty Ford, and Eleanor Roosevelt, and how they did not want to be in the White House. Um, and then they say that in future years, they're going to do another three or two or four or whatever it might be, who have some kind of connection. There's some kind of way to bring them together. So let your mind roll on that one and see who would be the best three that could go together. But this is a fascinating um, triangle because it shows you stuff that you've never seen before or never thought before. Um, Viola Davis is incredible as Michelle Obama, incredible. She captures the voice, she captures the, the um, just the movement that she has, even the way she like touches her head, the way she holds a glass of wine. She said she studied it so intensely that she was gonna make sure that nobody could say she wasn't doing the right thing. And then she said, and then I had to find out who Michelle Obama really was. Whereas you have somebody like Michelle Pfeiffer who plays Betty Ford, she didn't have that much to draw on other than what you've seen publicly. And Betty, although she did have a public persona for a part of it, she wasn't as kind of open as this is. I mean, there it's it's amazing when she finds out that her husband's going to be the president of the United States. She uses a four-letter word that doesn't begin with, you know. Certain and I was curious because they said, "Is did they really swear like that?" And the producer said, "Yeah, they did." So that's kind of interesting. And then Jillian Anderson plays Eleanor Roosevelt. She says she had enough material because she did a lot of radio casts and she was able to catch the voice and kind of see where she was. But the hardest job is actually Viola Davis's, and Viola says it scared the hell out of her. It was like one of those things. What do I do? And in the film, you see how there's that moment where they all are kind of hesitant to go into the White House and what this means for them and how people were really kind of awful to all of them. That is First Lady. That's on Showtime and it's April 17th. So if for whatever reason you haven't given Showtime a shot for the reasons of, of binging on Yellow Jackets, another highly, <laughs> highly recommendable show, in my opinion, First Lady is, sounds like something that is very much worth putting on your on your calendars. And then I know there's one you guys are hot for called The Offer, which is going to be on Paramount. And you've seen that? Yeah, it's 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 wild. It's wild. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of those kinds of movies that you saw back in the 70s and 80s, the kind of uh, Jacqueline Suzanne kind of things. Um, it's a little a little trashier than maybe you think it's going to be, but it really covers stuff that you never knew. You never knew this at all. And the offer is a biopic series about the making of The Godfather, correct? Right, right. Yeah. And it isn't necessary. I mean, it starts with a lot of behind the scenes studio stuff and how Robert Evans, if you remember, Robert Evans was a- Robert Evans. He segues into this and he, 
they're kind of after him. Like you got to come up with a hit. We can't be having just all these dud movies. You've got to come up with something. What's it going to be? Well, and he's trying to pawn off in the, in the first episode, pawn off his girlfriend, Allie McGraw as the new romantic lead in a thing we'll call love story. And um, so you see some of that maneuvering around there, but you also see the story of Mario Puzo who has had a flop book and his, his uh, agent says, you gotta have something, come on, do something. You talk about these gangsters that are around you all the time. Why don't you do something about the gangsters? And then he, you see how he kind of, and he can spit this script out in no time at all, but he does the book, the book's a hit. They turn it into a movie and they do, he and Francis do the movie in like, I think they did the script in just a matter of days. It was very quick on that. And then they start filming the whole thing. And you'll see faces that you recognize, actors that you recognize in some of these roles, but it's not filled with stars. In fact, um, Al Ruddy is kind of the, the star of this whole thing. He's the producer of The Godfather. And um, he was just a guy who worked for the Rand Company and wanted to get into the movie business and entertainment business. He made a name for himself by producing Hogan's Heroes. And that gave him some kind of cachet to get onto the, the lot and talk to people. And Robert Evans pulled him in and made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And here we are. But uh, that role was supposed to be played by Army Hammer. And then there were some. <laughs> so it's now Miles Teller plays the role. A much more likable guy, just a, a ray of sunshine, that Miles Teller. Right, right. And the offer that's on Paramount Plus, and that is April 28th. So definitely got a lot of time to, to catch up on that. Yeah, and watch as we get any closer, I'll do more of a review with you guys, but just know that it's very fascinating. It's interesting because if you're into the movies and you like to see how, how the sausage is made, uh, this goes pretty step-by-step. Step. You get to see, you know, maybe it wasn't going to be this, this landmark film that it turned out to be. Maybe it was just supposed to be a quick way to make money. Have you seen screeners for Tokyo Vice at all? The new HBO Max show? No. That is coming out this weekend. And that looks really fantastic. I'm sure Jared, I don't know if you have paid attention to this. Uh, it's uh, Oh yeah, I, I, I don't have HBO Max though. So this might be one of the things that finally like pushes me over the cliff to, to get it. I'm already on record earlier this episode for maligning Michael Mann's black hat a little bit as being uh, mid-level <laughs> or middling, I guess, or mediocre, but well, for him it is. So that's fair. Yeah. But yeah, Tokyo Vice is going to be on HBO. Uh, it's based on a 2009 book uh, by Jake Edelstein uh, and the uh, Michael Mann directs the pilot and is also an executive producer. The uh, rest of the episodes in this series are directed by Destin Daniel Creighton, uh, who uh, he directed uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings for Marvel. So he's you know, coming off of a nice little hot streak. And it stars Ansel Elgort and uh, Ken Watanabe. Uh, Ansel Elgort is a journalist who attempts to take on some of Tokyo's biggest crime bosses, <laughs> which, you know, uh, yeah, Ansel Elgort uh, also, as of right now, I guess, is kind of going through his own stuff, maybe. I don't know. There's, you know, around uh, following West Side Story, there was certainly a little little bit of bad bad buzz around that guy. The sharks and the pets were coming out to get him. It's true. 
And then uh, also on HBO uh, on April 5th is a what looks like a really cool documentary uh, on Tony Hawk, the very well-known skateboarder Tony Hawk, titled Until the Wheels Fall Off. And it's directed by Sam Jones, who his biggest film is uh, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, a documentary about Wilco uh, from all the way back 20 years ago in 2002. He hasn't really done that much since. So it's interesting, or at least he hasn't done anything as far as feature length documentaries since then. So it looks really interesting. And I mean, Tony Hawk is just such a pop cultural phenomenon at this point and oscar presenter i was gonna say so yeah um what else uh what else have you seen bruce anything uh anything good yeah i didn't know that's where we're gonna stop it there's other stuff but you've got two new movies that are coming out in the theaters this week so yep ambulance have you seen ambulance no and i think it's gonna be good yeah i'm actually also very excited for that one because like do i think that like michael bay is like a, a god level talent no but he knows how to do spectacle really well and the only reason i ever didn't want to see the transformers movies is because that's not the kind of spectacle i want to see i want to see like the kind of spectacle that this movie will have or that he had in like pain and gain that's the kind of like michael bay-esque just like over the topness that i want yeah I'm thinking, I mean, Bad Boys 2 and The Rock yep. are like my my Mount Rushmore, uh, you know, for him. And Ambulance stars Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Garrett Dillahunt, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, it's a heist movie, military stuff. They're robbing a thing and then uh, have to escape in an ambulance. And I have been uh, mocked in the past for the way that I say ambulance. I don't know if it's a Southern thing, but uh, I don't know if that's, if any of, um, I'm not looking forward to having to say the word ambulance, 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 ambulance. Take that last part and kind of mush it together. Ambulance. 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 Amb- Amb- yes. So. But look at uh, this one. It has the LA kind of marked out so that you know it's in. Very uh, clever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's got the uh, it's got like some heat vibes, you know. Yeah, it's I think it has, you know, for those of us looking for that kind of mindless, you know, violence and car crashes, it could be it could be the movie. And it has a bit of a story and there's a reason behind them trying to get this money. It isn't like they're just stealing to steal. They're trying to help somebody. So there's a lot of that kind of gray area in there that I think could play well. And when you got Jake Gyllenhaal, who is just primed, primed for being the biggest star ever, they want him to be a huge deal. And this could be the one that helps them. Yep. And uh, yeah, mindless violence. That, of course, leads us to Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Bruce, you want to? Yeah, no. This is... This is, I didn't like Sonic 1. I thought it was better than it should, than it would have been. But then look at, they redid it how many times, changing the way Sonic looked because they didn't think he looked quite right. The teeth. It's, you know, mm, I don't need it. That's how I look at Sonic. So yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog too. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's out of our wheelhouse, maybe, I guess, as far as our uh, collective interests and, uh, you know, backgrounds. So there you go. 
it's my divorced dad film. There you, you know? go. It's not that bad if you're a divorced dad and you're taking your kids to the movies because it's your weekend. But it's not necessarily something that's going to move the needle on these kinds of films. But it's you won't be like, oh, God, do we have to go to that? You'll be okay. It's okay. I guess we're all right. We really, at some point, need to just do an episode about divorced dad movies. Right? The ones that really play. Yeah. Yes. We've talked about it, yeah. Because you know that, that come, and I'm sure they hated Encanto. I bet they thought, oh, God, if I got to go to this thing, no. I bet that was a dad film that did not play well. No, that's that's too good of a movie to be a divorced dad movie. Right? It's Yeah, it's one that they would not, that would be one that mom would take the, the birthday party gang with. We'll yeah. all go to that for the birthday party, and mom will take care of it. Well, I mean, honestly, I feel like we've we've managed to catch up pretty quick, given that the last episode was entirely about immediate reactions to to the Oscar slap. And we've uh, yeah, we've we've covered stuff that we would have covered back then. And we yeah, we're up to speed on everything. I mean, part of it, I guess, is the fact that we are in one of the most fallow periods of the you know annual calendar for Hollywood big budget releases. But yeah, we got a bunch of good stuff coming up soon that will be pretty exciting bruce do you have any are there any uh interviews that are possibly going to be for for the podcast down the line we do yes i have uh the survivor coming up survivors at the end of the month and it's about a holocaust survivor who became a boxer he was a boxer during the holocaust to stay alive Mm -hmm. and uh, nazis would bet on him it's based on a true story and i have um ben foster and barry levinson coming up Fantastic. Yeah. So we have that to look forward to in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah. Jared, you want to take us out with uh, your patented closing closing sentiments? My patented incoherent rambling that is just yeah. uh, searching for some kind of a joke where then I can ultimately say uh, stream something good or screen something good. You see what I did there? That was a meta one. I, uh, I used the catchphrase in the guise of making fun of myself. So there you go. Love to see it. Thank you uh, for listening to the show. Uh, We will be back next week with more good stuff. Uh, Subscribe to the show. Go back and listen to older episodes, especially our our, uh, immediate Oscar hot takes from last week. Show is produced by myself, Bruce and Jared, and I'm the one who records and edits it. We hope that you enjoyed everything and are taking very good care of yourselves out there. As always, see something good 